What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are. And it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day, and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Up next, Rob Smith is problematic, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. I am Rob Smith, and I am problematic. I am Rob Smith, and I am problematic. But what does that mean? What is it to be problematic? Well, let me tell you a little bit about myself. Let me tell you a little bit about who I am. I am from Akron, Ohio. I was a working-class black kid that grew up in a place that was 98% black, went to failing high school, a failing middle school, basically failing schools. All of my life, when I graduated at at 17 years old, I decided to join the military. I did five years in the United States Army, served two tours in the Middle East, one tour in Iraq, came out, went to college, lived in New York City, got involved in all of the leftism, all of the far left crap that New York City has to offer. And then I decided that I was fed up with it. I decided that I was going to come out as a black, gay, conservative. Now, what is it that drives a black, gay guy to come out as conservative, to say that Republican principles work for me, to say that conservative principles work for me? Well, I'll tell you what didn't work for me. Leftism. Leftism does not work. The idea that as a black person in this society, 
You have no autonomy over your life, and evil white racists are out to get you, and they are going to stop you from being successful in the best country in the world for African Americans. Never jibe with me. But that's what the left wanted me to believe. The idea that more and more illegal immigration was going to somehow help Black communities was an idea that I did not agree with. The fact that so many gays and lesbians were going over the hill towards this far-left LGBTQ alphabet soup cult insanity, that stuff didn't work for me. And so I decided, two and a half years ago, when I decided to come out as a conservative Republican, that it doesn't matter that I'm Black. It doesn't matter that I'm gay. None of these things matter. What matters is the way that I view the world. And I started really getting into these conservative principles. I started really getting into the ideas of personal responsibility, of hard work, of self-reliance, of entrepreneurship. And then when I got my head out of all the leftist stuff, when I got my head out of all of the stuff that the people on the left and the Democrat Party tells people like me, people that are black, people that are gay, and and it doesn't even matter, people that are Latino, people that are Asian, basically anybody that is not white, the left wants to make a victim. And when I started seeing the world not through that prism of victimhood, but through the prism of what I already know in society, through what I've already learned through my military service, through what I've already learned from looking at my life and how I was able to make it successful via self-reliance, via not seeing myself as a victim, via realizing that not every white person in the world is out to get me, via realizing that it's more important how I see the world than what my race is or, or what my sexual orientation is or what any of these immutable characteristics are. And so when I really realized that, and when I started internalizing these conservative principles and these Republican principles. And by the way, when I started doing that, my life started changing exponentially in in more ways than I think that I can even describe, more positive ways. When I started realizing that is when I started coming into myself as a conservative. And that is when I became problematic. And what does problematic mean? Problematic is presenting a problem or a difficulty. So I definitely present a problem to the left. I was excommunicated from the left the second I started advocating for Republican principles, before the second I started advocating for some of President Trump's policies, for the idea that no, we don't need more unchecked illegal immigration. And just because I'm Black doesn't mean that I'm supposed to have some sort of shared struggle with illegal immigrants. And no, LGBTQ cult, child drag queens are not okay. And a preteen dancing for tips in a Brooklyn gay bar at 3 a.m. is not okay. And yes, that is a real story. This is the LGBTQ cult at work for you. But when I started speaking out against that stuff, I was problematic to them and I was excommunicated. I was excommunicated from the left because I presented a problem or a difficulty to them. And 
the things that I love about conservatism, the things that I love about being on the right are these ideas that we get to talk about things that are that are problematic. We get to have different opinions. We get to say the things that a lot of people on the left wouldn't dare say, even though they know these things are true. There are a lot of people that on the left that wouldn't dare say that some of the riots that we saw when it comes to the Black Lives Matter protests are wrong. They wouldn't dare say that. There's a lot of gay and lesbian liberals who believe it, but wouldn't dare say that the LGBTQ alphabet soup has gone way over the deep end in the five years since marriage equality was passed. They won't say it, but that's okay. I'll say it. That's what makes me problematic. And again, it is probably what makes a lot of you problematic because it doesn't matter whether you're on the left or you're on the right. Everybody has some opinion. Everybody has some idea. Everybody has some point of view that breaks with whatever orthodoxy is being pushed. That's what makes me problematic. That's what makes a lot of you problematic. That is what makes us problematic. But the most surprising thing to me was that there were still some people on the right in the conservative movement that had an issue with me being gay. And that was when I realized that I was problematic even to some of them. You see, when I came out as conservative, I was welcomed with open arms by this new conservative movement, by this new Republican Party. I lived in a bubble for, I think, a year and a half where some of the homophobia, you know, what wasn't really around anymore. I didn't really notice any of it. I never saw any of it to my face. Well, that was until I was at an event with Turning Point USA founder Charlie Kirk. Now, you all know that, or maybe you don't, that I do some work with Turning Point USA. It's a uh, an advocacy group for conservatives on college campuses. We have events. We, we support the kids and their conservative beliefs. You know, we help them mobilize on campus. We stand up for them because so often they are shut down on, on campus for what they believe. So last fall, I was on a stop with Charlie Kirk. It was called The Culture War. And we went to Ohio State University. It was right in my backyard. I'm an Akron boy, you know, an Ohio boy, born and raised. Ohio State University was in Columbus. So this was, you know, this is my hometown. I was very excited about this. And this had come on the tail end of one of the most intense period of travel I've ever had in my life. I was here. I was there. I was everywhere. And at the same time, I was finishing up my book, Always a Soldier, I was writing the book on airplanes and, and airport lounges. Uh, I was just staying in hotels. If you've ever traveled, whether it be for, I don't care if you're in sales, I don't care if you're in media, I don't care what field you're in, you know what it is like to be on the road for so long you can't even see straight. So that's where I was when I took the stage that night. But it was like, it's okay. I'm going to power through this. So Charlie and I have the general conversation, how can you battle the left? What Rob would tell me your story. You're this black gay conservative. How did that come about? You know, I tell the story. And we open it up for Q&A afterwards. And this guy walks up and he asks me to my face, how does anal sex help win the culture war? And I was, I was shocked. 
I did not know what to do. Not only was I so tired from everything, I, I was pretty hungry as well. I, a, I work out a lot. So when I get hungry, I get very hungry. And let me tell you, the videos are out there all over Twitter. As to my response, it was not my finest moment. Kind of babbled over myself. Uh, I think I, I said some gobbledygook about how America is so great. It just it was not my finest hour. Because I was taken aback. Who asks that question? And what it really said to me was this person had just reduced me to a sexual act just because I was gay. That had never really happened in my life. Now, I've seen my share of homophobia. Look, I got called fag in high school. I got called fag in the military. It's neither here nor there. It's whatever. I'm still standing. But that was the first time that somebody reduced my entire existence to a sexual act in order to discredit me and my place in the conservative movement. And that told me that there was this element on the far right that I was problematic to because of who I was. Everybody's going to have a a problematic thought. Everybody's going to have a problematic idea. And what's going to happen is you're going to make the choice. Either you stand up for this problematic thought, this problematic idea, and you take the blowback, or you just fade into the background. For example, you're a conservative, right? You're on the right. Maybe you don't think that it's such a bad thing for gays and lesbians to, to be accepted on the right. Look, we, look, we pay our taxes. You know, so we like guns. You know, but we can serve in the military now. These are fundamental conservative principles, right? There, there's no reason that gays and lesbians can't participate in America in in most of the core fundamental ways that that lots of conservatives and Republicans do. But you're going to run up against somebody who makes the religious argument against gays and lesbians in the conservative movement or in the Republican Party. And so that's going to be the moment for for you as a conservative, or or that's just a, a problematic moment that a conservative will come up with or will come up against. And so that's going to be your moment of being problematic. So what do you do in that case? That's what being problematic is all about. In the OSU encounter, that was when I owned being problematic. That is when I owned what being problematic is to me. But what are the, the principles of being problematic? What is it? I think that there are five basic principles to being problematic. And I'm going to tell you what they are when we get back. I believe that there are five key principles of being problematic or being a problematic, being a problematic person, being problematic in general. The first and the most important principle to being problematic is thinking for yourself. We live in an era now where people are allowing others to do their thinking for them. We have outsourced our thought to entertainers, to celebrities, to social media influencers, to politicians, anything that we can do so that we don't dare have an original thought, so that we don't dare think for ourselves, right? So thinking for yourself is the number one fundamental principle of being problematic because you only run into problematic moments when you are thinking for yourself. That conservative that's defending the rights of gays and lesbians to to exist in the conservative movement in the Republican Party is thinking for themselves in that moment. 
because it's easier for them to just stay silent when somebody says, oh, I don't want these gays here. Especially if it's, if it's in an area or if it's in a surrounding that makes it uncomfortable, that makes that an uncomfortable conversation. For someone on the left, thinking for themselves, maybe, look, guys, maybe we shouldn't defund the police. Maybe communities actually need police. Maybe police officers save lives. You know, I don't want to be there for that conversation on the left because it will not end well. But that is a person on the left that is being problematic to that rigid orthodoxy that I keep telling you all about. So thinking for yourself, guys, is crucial towards being problematic because there are so many people out there and there are so many voices and there are so many entities and there are so many organizations and there are so many politicians and there are so many political movements and there are so many things that depend on you not thinking for yourself. They depend on you listening to whatever they say and taking it as gold. When you look at what look at what's going on politically right now and the political climate that we're in right now, there's no way that some of these people could get away with the things that they say with a straight face if they were not dependent on the idea that most people are not thinking for themselves anymore. Most people are just retweeting. Most people are just reforming their thoughts based on whatever their favorite politician or celebrity or entertainer or activist or whoever says. So thinking for yourself is the most important principle of being problematic. It is, I believe, the fundamental, foundational principle of being problematic. Now, the second principle is interesting. The second principle I like because it so perfectly dovetails with my own story, with my own transition into this conservative movement. And that is allowing for an evolution in thinking and opinion. You see, because we are not the same people that we were three years, four years, five years ago. Hell, some of us aren't the same people we were three, four, five weeks ago. So it makes complete sense that people's opinions evolve and the way that they think evolves based on new information based on moving to a new place in life. Case in point, when I first came out as conservative a couple of years ago, I got bashed by a journalist, this little blue check, this blue check journalist, you know, the blue checks on Twitter. I still don't have my blue check mark, by the way. I still don't think I'll ever get it. I don't really know if I care very much at this point. But she said, look at this guy, Rob Smith. I had visited the White House for a Black History Month event. And I took a photo in the White House that went viral, just saying, you know, I'm, I'm here. I support the president. I support Black History Month, the Black History Month event at the White House. This is what it is. So the picture went viral. And so this journalist, so this is what journalists do nowadays. I guess I thought that they were supposed to be breaking stories, but instead this person decided to go into my Twitter and saw that I had tweeted that Trump was racist in late 2017. And yeah, I tweeted it. Yeah, I said it. Obviously, I tweeted it. I said it because it was what I was manipulated into thinking at the time when I was transitioning out of being a leftist, when I was thinking for myself, or when I started at least, when my evolution in thinking and opinion started to evolve. 
It's certainly not something I would say now. It's certainly not something that is true. It's certainly something that was very much part of a narrative that a lot of people in the media wanted to push. But I did say that at the time. And so she said, aha, this is a grifter. This person doesn't believe this. He doesn't believe that Trump is good for African-Americans. He doesn't believe in any of this stuff. He's just saying it for a paycheck. He's a grifter. And so this person tried to put me on blast for that. And what she was doing, and, and this is me exercising the principle, the principle number two of being problematic, which was an evolution in my thinking and opinion. Because at this point in time, I had seen with my own two eyes President Trump doing things that had helped African-Americans that I had personally met. I was on Capitol Hill advocating for the First Step Act, which was criminal justice reform. 91% um, of these criminals that were released uh, due to nonviolent offenses were African-Americans. So I had looked into the eyes of a man who had done 25 years in prison and was released under the First Step Act to go continue his life. And so, of course, my opinion of the administration changed. Of course, my opinion on, on the president's views towards African-Americans changed because I was presented with information that was real and concrete and that it actually made a difference in people's lives. So that evolution in thinking and opinion is the second core principle of being problematic, and that is one of the ways in which I personally exercised it. And I know a lot of you have as well, because there's a lot of people who have come over from the left to the right. There are a lot of people who have said that what's going on on the left right now is just not something that I can co-sign. It's not something that I can, I can fundamentally get behind. So that was my experience with the second principle of being problematic, which was an evolution in my thinking and opinion. So we have knocked down the first two out of five principles of being problematic. The first is thinking for yourself. The second is an evolution in your thinking and opinion. The third, the third principle of being problematic, this is one that I think that I embody very well on multiple, as the left would say, intersectional levels, it is not letting immutable characteristics define your existence. This idea that because I am Black, I am supposed to think a certain way, or just because I am gay, I am supposed to think a certain way, or just because I am Black and gay, I am supposed to think of a certain way, is one of the most offensive ideas to me. It's offensive. And you know why? It is offensive because me, as Rob Smith the individual, as Rob Smith the individual that has served in the military, that has had all kinds of interactions in this world, that have colored and, and shaped the way that I see the world, all of those things are supposed to go out of the window. And I am supposed to see the world purely through the lens of my race and my sexual orientation. It's offensive. I am offended by that idea, because fundamentally, that idea that these immutable characteristics that we cannot change not only define your entire existence, but they are supposed to define your politics in the way that you see the world, it robs people of their agency. The idea 
that I'm supposed to see the world a certain way because I am black and gay. It robs me of my agency. It means that no matter what experience that I have, it is supposed to somehow be colored by my race, but it never seems to happen in a positive way for the left, right? So the left will tell African-Americans that we are victims, that we are completely oppressed all the time, that in LeBron James's words, we are being hunted down by white police officers. But it never works the other way around. It never means that because LeBron James is worth untold multiple millions of dollars, probably $150 million at this point, well then, I, I guess, well then, shouldn't all Black people be living that life? Or because we have more African-American millionaires than at any point ever in American history, right? Somehow that is not the standard. It's always the victimhood shit that's the standard. It's always the idea that we are supposed to see ourselves as perpetual victims in society. It drives me crazy. And being problematic in that third principle, not letting immutable characteristics define your existence, it is standing up against that entire idea. And it also completely eliminates what I think is a very core fundamental principle, not only of of the conservative movement, but literally just of life in general, because I do not think that this next thing should be conservative, a conservative value at all. It is personal responsibility. We all have personal responsibility for our own lives. We all are the masters of our own destinies. We all make certain choices. We make choices. We make sacrifices. We have a responsibility for who we are in this world. And what the left loves to do with all of their little victim groups, you know, um, Blacks, Latinos, Asians, gays, lesbians, whatever, all of these little people that they are trying to create a little coalition of victimhood out of. And what that has in common, what the left does to every single one of these groups is that they absolve them of any sense of personal responsibility. And I really want to underline how destructive it is and how disempowering it is to go through life And to think that you don't have any agency in your life, that you don't have any responsibility in your life, that every time you get knocked down by the world, if you're you're Black or or Latino or Asian or whatever, it's got to be because you are Black. When I was on the left, I would would walk down the street and, and just, you know, white people would look at me a certain way. And I had so internalized this idea that I was some Black victim of this oppressive white society that I would get in my head about it. And I would think that, oh, this white lady looked at me away because she doesn't like black people or, oh, this white guy did this. And it's a completely destructive way to go about living in this world. And now look, I'm going to be problematic for a second because I know that this is not a popular opinion in conservative circles, but yes, facts actually do bear out these ideas surrounding systemic racism and systemic discrimination in society. And and that stuff is all there. And come on, anybody that's smart enough to be listening to this is smart enough to know that that stuff is real. We're not too far removed from a lot of that stuff. But that does not absolve people of responsibility for their own actions and behaviors. So I was watching on Twitter, on social media, I just saw this awful video 
it was three black girls, uh, young women actually, and they were in a physical altercation with the staff at Spirit Airlines because their flight had gotten delayed. And this video is completely insane. You've got stuff flying around everywhere, people throwing punches, screaming, profanities, insults, the whole nine yards. It was completely insane. And now what the left would say to that is that the legacy of systemic racism and discrimination is somehow accountable for the way in which these women conducted themselves, in public, mind you. And that is, that is garbage. It's ridiculous. It makes zero sense. And so this is what the left does when they say that these immutable characteristics are supposed to be in control of everything in, in the way we see the world and, and also absolve us of personal responsibility. This stuff doesn't absolve people of responsibility for their own actions and behaviors. That is why I have such an issue with this idea that immutable characteristics define your entire existence and the way you see the world, both politically and socially and culturally. And which is why I think it's the third fundamental principle towards being problematic. Not letting these things that we cannot control become barriers to our success in the world and also letting them completely define the way in which we see it. And now speaking of the world... And speaking of all of these, these different things that, that are foisted on us in this, this weird new social media era that we're living in, that brings us to the fourth principle of being problematic, and that is resisting language policing with every fiber of your being. Now, there are, I, I think that sometimes people don't realize how rapidly language changes and, and how rapidly the left pushes these new ways of speech that we are all supposed to adhere to. Case in point, I'm a gay man. And that used to be okay. It used to be okay for me to be a gay man. That used to be just fine. But now all of a sudden, and I don't know who made this decision. I was certainly not involved in this decision. Now I am not gay. I am LGBTQIA. I don't know what the fuck that means. All I know is that I am a gay man, but yet some people running some organizations, probably GLAD or HRC or another one of the cult organizations, decided that you cannot call gays and lesbians gays and lesbians anymore, that we must be called LGBTQIA, K++, alphabet soup, whatever. I will resist this with every fiber of my being because I am not LGBTQIA. I am a gay man. And that makes me problematic to the left because in their, in, in particularly with the LGBTQ cult, because they are in such a rush to redefine everything, to basically define women out of existence. And, and we'll get into that in subsequent episodes. But I am problematic to the left because I refuse to play by their language rules. And speaking of language rules and, and speaking of, of the LGBTQ left, and I focus on them so much because the vast majority of the language games that are being played right now are being played by them. So 
we all know that that there are transgender people and there have always been transgender people. You know, this makes me problematic to, to some people on the right. I have no issues with, with transgender people, although, you know, I'm called transphobic all the time because I recognize the existence of biological sex, which is apparently deeply problematic for the left. But But either way, so there's this language now that because I am a man. I have no problem with being a man. I have no problems with my genitals. We're all good in that department. All right. I got, I got, I got no issues there. But now I am supposed to be seen as something called a cisgender male because I am a part of the 99.99% of the population that doesn't identify as transgender. That makes no sense at all to me. And I will not participate in it. I refuse to be called cisgender. I refuse. If it comes up in a conversation with the leftist, I will just chuckle. I refuse to be addressed in that way. I am not a cisgender man. I'm just a man. All right. And at the same time, while these people are trying to control the ways in which we all use language. And, and I went a lot into the LGBTQ cult stuff as well, but it, it is even outside of that. Think about how quickly we went from illegal alien to illegal immigrant to undocumented immigrant. And I'm pretty sure now they're trying to push undocumented workers on us. This is a control of language, And being problematic, and this fourth principle of being problematic is resisting this policing of language as much as you possibly can at every possible moment. Because as soon as you accept this stuff, it becomes canon. I even have to tell people on the right, because conservatives want to be, I I do believe that we are in this place where conservatives want to be open and accepting to different things. I've seen it with my own two eyes. And I even have to tell people on the right, I say, do not say LGBTQ because that Q is trouble. That Q is trouble. That Q is trouble. And I tell them, do not say that. Don't go any further than LGBT. Do not say LGBTQ. But even outside of all of that stuff, there is this this idea about, about language policing where even you have professors that are getting you know, run out of their jobs by the Twitter mob or they're being fired or, or the Twitter mob is coming for them for even dropping the N-bomb in a purely academic way. And now look, I, I, this is me being problematic as well. Look, I, I'm a black man, all right? The, the, the N-word, the N-bomb is a part of the culture in some way, shape, or form. You can say that it's wrong. You can say whatever, but it is just something that is always going to be there. Yeah, I've said it myself a couple of times. Yeah, Absolutely. If I'm around black friends or or if there's rap, whatever. It just is what it is. I'm problematic to a lot of people because I won't let my language be policed in that way. I'm a gay guy. I say fag all the time. Somebody's a fag. Somebody's acting like a fag. I'll call them a fag. And mostly it's me and my other gay friends that say fag. It's to the point where at this point, if somebody came up to my face and called me a fag, I wouldn't even know how to respond to it because it's something that I take zero offense to whatsoever. And then there's this idea, there's a, a follower that I have called, and this is this person's words and not mine. Oh my God, I hope the transstapo doesn't try to get me shut down over this. But this person calls, them, calls themselves the offensive tranny. 
this is the person, this person identifies as transgender. I, I think he's a female to male transgender and transgender person. And he uses this term to take control back of the language, to, to give a big middle finger to the language policing and to own that term for itself. And at the same time, when we're talking about all this language policing, whatever, if at any given moment we decide to avoid their accepted buzzwords, you become problematic. I become problematic. Like I said, I will never accept being called cisgender. It is not something that will ever happen. I will never say LGBTQIA, never. And there is nothing that GLAD or HRC or any of the other cult minions can do about it. And so that is this fourth principle of being problematic. It is resisting language policing in all of its forms. So this fifth principle of being problematic is one of my personal favorites, actually. It's one that I have deployed to terrific effect in some of the media appearances you've seen me in and in some Q&A sessions that get a little contentious and some debates that I've been in. And this last principle of being problematic is controlling your emotions. Because when we control our emotions, when we're up against the hyper-emotional, hyper-irrationality of some of the people on the left that make these arguments, it drives them absolutely insane. It drives them nuts. It makes them so angry and even more hyper-emotional. The calmer you are in your emotional control, the crazier and more insane they'll be. And to take it back to the experience at OSU, I was not very good at controlling my emotions because I was so shocked. I didn't know how to respond. And I'll tell you, Another time, which is very recently, that, that I was not good at controlling my emotions. I do a lot of cable news hits. I do a lot of TV hits. A, a hit is when you go and you do a segment and you talk about whatever the political issues of the day. And these producers like to do this thing with black conservatives where they want to pit you against this black liberal. Oh, we're just going to see the two black people fight. It's going to be great. So they do that a lot. It's a thing that they do. And I was on... I believe it was it was uh, Sky News UK or something like that. It was very it was very liberal, probably tending closer to leftist. And the black liberal that I was quote unquote debating is somebody that I'd uh, I'd already owned this guy on Fox News a couple of times, but he tried to bring in my association with with Turning Point USA, and he tried to bring in my association with Tar- Charlie Kirk and all of that stuff to somehow discredit me. And it's, it had zero to do with anything that we were talking about. And I kind of lost it. I said that this is ridiculous. This doesn't matter. This is not talking about the issues. My emotions were not under control. And I looked like an idiot. I looked so stupid in that international television appearance. I am so glad that nobody ever saw it. One of the hidden blessings of doing this so much is that sometimes when you look really stupid, nobody ever sees it and you guys would never know about it until I just told you, but it's okay. Nobody's perfect here. We're, we're all, we're all problematic, but none of us is perfect. And so 
when you can control your emotions, you make your leftist antagonist completely insane. And you highlight the fact that a lot of these conclusions that people on the left have, have come to, this, this idea, for example, that Black men are hunted on the streets, this idea that you know these activists and these protesters are out here screaming uh, about this idea that they are just somehow so oppressed, you realize that these conclusions that are rooted in emotion are often not borne out by any real facts. We all know that the this quote-unquote epidemic of police violence against African-Americans is not borne out by facts. We all know that. And they know it too. But their truth, you know, they always say, my truth, this is my truth, this is my truth. Their truth is generally not the truth and certainly isn't borne out by any facts. And if you can control your emotions when you're dealing in situations like this, you will make those people angry. It will make you even more problematic and you will just be laughing hysterically inside. But it is something that takes a lot of work. And I think that that's one of the core principles of being problematic. So look, we've got number one, out of the five principles of being problematic, thinking for yourself. Number two, an evolution in thinking and opinion. Number three, not letting immutable characteristics define your existence in the way in which you see the world. Number four, resisting language policing. And number five, controlling your emotions. These are the five principles of being problematic. And what I look forward to is you guys using these principles to be empowered, to be problematic in your own lives. I'm going to keep being problematic here. I am going to remain problematic to both the right and the left for as long as I'm doing this, and I hope so. Because when you are being problematic, you're doing something right, and you're getting to the root of where we really need to head towards as Americans, because that is what being problematic is all about. It's about talking to each other more as Americans. It's about listening to one another. And you cannot do that. You cannot have real, honest, authentic conversations if you are not being problematic. That's what this is all about. And that is what we'll be doing every Tuesday morning when Rob Smith is Problematic Drops. So find and rate us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to us so you can get Rob Smith is Problematic delivered directly to your phone the second it drops every week. Thanks so much to all of our sponsors. Please support them so we can continue to bring the show to you for free. Please visit my show page at robsmithisproblematic.com. And please tell your friends about the show and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so everyone can learn what the show is about. And I also want to thank uh, my producer, Stephen Calabria, and our researcher, Aaron Kliegman, and also executive producers, Debbie and Newt, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. I look forward to you all joining me on this journey, and I'll see you next week.
part of the Gamers 360 network.